Hello, listeners. Hi. <laughs> uh, this is take two. It's uh, <laughs> all right. Your story is great. I, would, I really want to hear it again, actually. Uh, my uh, my computer froze in the middle of our last recording. So, um, welcome to uh, stuff you missed in history class. No, Andrew. Every <laughs> single time. One of these days, you'll get it right. That is not it. You're right. Uh, this is Armchair Apocrypha. Correct. Um, this is the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories. Um, I'm Andrew. I'm Rachel. Yes. Uh, the only rule for Armchair Apocrypha is that um, you can't talk about anything that you've studied or anything that uh, you've worked in. Mm-hmm. So I can't talk about English because I studied it, and I can't talk about higher education because I worked in it. And I can't talk about communications or public administration, although that is fascinating. <laughs> or, or coffee. coffee. <laughs> we also have drank almost every episode, so that's kind I of I think there's only one episode that it, we have. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like it's part a, of the thing. It's like It a, makes us smarter and makes us more knowledgeable about yeah. what we think we're talking about is right and yeah. accurate. So it's kind of like drunk history, except none of us are historians. Yet. Yes. Give me time, Andrew. <laughs> you know how you know I would kill yeah. to be on that show. <laughs> have you seen the trailer for the new season? No, I haven't. We'll look at it after we're done with this. Okay. It looks so good. Cool. I'm so excited for it. Um, I don't have cable, so if it's not on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon, I get on Hulu. I don't see any trailers, so I get it like three weeks after it airs. Yeah. that's what they did last time. It pissed me off so much. Yeah, I understand. Um, <clears throat> How was your week? It was good. I finished my nano. Um, I hit 50,000 words. High five. Yes. yes. Um, I've probably got another 5,000 words in the story, and then I'll start editing it, and it should come out uh, sometime in January. Do you want to explain to them what that is? Uh, NaNoWriMo or mm-hmm. my novel? Uh, so National Novel Writing Month is um, it, every November, it's a challenge to try to uh, write 50,000 words in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, you did that with what, 12 hours to spare? 24, 24 hours to spare. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I went to, jeez, uh, uh, that car was loud. Mm-hmm. I went to a protest Wednesday night um, because of uh, the Haymarket Affair. Uh, Matthew Landon, all of that stuff. Um, and then I uh, got home and I just turned out the last 2,000 words. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that sounds so easy. I don't understand. Oh, it was not easy. I was struggling with every word. <laughs> um, and then Thursday night I, I went home and killed off the last of the Nazis. And so. Okay. <laughs> all, they're all gone now? All of the Nazis in the novel are gone. <laughs> okay, yes. good. Can't wait to read it. Unfortunately, they still exist in real life, but we're working on it. <laughs> it's a work in progress. It's work in progress, exactly. Uh, how was your week? It was long. Long. I don't want to talk about it. I understand. Um, do you want to get into it? Into our stories? Into oh, story I would love again. to hear your. Yes, cool. please. Um, don't go any faster. Actually, go slower. Go I, slower. This is a fascinating story. Okay. So, this one is about the Chinese Pirate Queen. Uh, named Ching Shi. Love it. <laughs> uh, her original name was Shi uh, Shang Yu. Uh, she was born in Guangdong in 1775. 1775, okay. Mm-hmm. And she, um, sh- her name, uh, the reason we call her Ching uh, Shi is because it literally translates to Cheng's widow. 
Um, so it's kind of like the name that history has given her. Okay. Not, uh, not what she actually went by. She didn't actually go by that. Okay. Um, so, uh, Ching Shi, Pirate Queen, uh, started off as a sex worker in, uh, Guangdong. Okay. She, uh, she had some sort of reputation, um, essentially what she would do is she would wait for a, a strong or rich or powerful man to come in, and then she would find out whatever his secrets were, um, any... Uh, I'm sorry I keep laughing, that's like just so <laughs> badass to me. I know, it's such a great, like, great way to do business. Yes. It's such a badass move. Um, she would take the important information from them, and then she would use it to manipulate them or blackmail them. Um, and that's kind of how, like, she started gaining power. Yeah. Um, rumor has it that this brought the pirate uh, leader of the uh, Red Flag Fleet, Ching Yi, to Guangdong and caused him to seek her out for marriage. Um, and supposedly, all of this is rumors because we don't really have uh, written documentation of that time because because it was we can't find it <laughs> they can't find one in storage anywhere I, I think that the dropbox uh is password protected and um, no one ever figured it out yeah exactly it's like uh, password <laughs> exclamation point uh it, it's dropbox or google drive something like that <laughs> Um, if you're from the 18th century, uh, go ahead and just like you know back up your records. And yeah, please scan them into That'd be great. <laughs> scan them into uh, Google. Also, or if you're from Stonehenge, <laughs> Stonehenge, yes, please exactly. let us know what Stonehenge is about. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to us from the Bronze Age, um, we would really like to hear from you. Yeah, we have room for a guest. <laughs> um, uh, I invited my friend Richard, he is running for the House of Representatives here in Kentucky, um, to be a guest on today's show, and then we changed the time, like, three Sorry. times. It's not your fault. Um, but eventually he was like, I don't think I'm going to make this one, and I was like, I completely understand. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, um, Ching Shi and Cheng Yi, uh, get married he's 30 uh he's 36 at the time she's 26 at the time okay um so she marries into his fleet and uh becomes stepmother to his adopted son and i need to explain this please do (laughs) uh because it's kind of um gross (laughs) if you don't know the backstory do we know uh, how old this adopted son is i believe he was Late twenties, early thirties, but it didn't say on the site that I was reading, so I'm not entirely okay. sure. Um, but he uh, he was Cheng Yi's adoptive son because Cheng Yi had made him the heir to his pirate uh, fleet. Um, he was also Cheng Yi's lover, um, and so the adoption seems to be like a business move. Yeah, but like, homosexuality didn't exist back then. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's an invention of Tumblr. Um, <laughs> I never heard that, but that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, Cheng Yi's adoptive son uh, Chung Po Sai uh, is his heir um, by adoption, yeah, and his lover uh, just by uh, love, need, need, want, want something like that. Love. <laughs> um, so Cheng Yi dies in uh, 1801, 
and he passes on control of his ship down to uh, Ching Shi and Chung Po Sai. Mm-hmm. Um, and very quickly after that, like within the year, uh, Ching Shi and Chung Po Sai become lovers also. Um, so they're just a free spirit people. Yeah, it's like the original hippies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, they may have been. Maybe they have you stole them from these people. <laughs> Um, I want to slip this in here because I forgot about it last time. But uh, oh, when do. she um, when she became uh, leader of the fleet, Ching Shi created a whole bunch of extra rules. Um, Rachel has not seen the episode of The Simpsons no. uh, where it's that's a Padlin. Um, but uh, Ching Shi had her own version of that meme, which is that's a beheading. <laughs> Um, so her rules were, uh, Ching Xi okays all attacks beforehand, or, uh, that's beheading. Um, if anybody in the ranks was, uh, giving their own orders or ignoring orders from their superiors, that's beheading. Um, if you desert your post or take shore leave without permission, uh, disobey once, we cut off your ears, disobey twice, that's a beheading. Um, if you rape a female captive, that's beheading. Mm-hmm. Um, these next couple are a little bit weird. Uh, if you have consensual sex with a female captive without asking uh, your superior for permission, uh, that's a beheading. And uh, they would take cannonballs and tie them to her ankles and then toss her into the ocean. But why is she in trouble? I think she's in trouble because she had sex with him before he got permission from the superiors. Yeah, but... I still don't understand. <laughs> I think that she was afraid of, like, uh, women offering themselves up and then, like, trying to escape or, like, trying to make the fleet uh, weaker like or something like that. Yeah. Um, she didn't want women using Because she knew wise. that women were powerful people. <laughs> she was more scared of women than, <laughs> than no. probably most other people. Um, her role for having sex with female prisoners since... Uh, since obviously that's going to happen, was that you have to take the female prisoner as your wife, you have to be faithful for her, and you have to treat her well, or else that's beheaded. Nope, she's back on my good side, so. (laughs) (laughs) Still like her. (laughs) Um, This wasn't a rule, but she did instruct her men to say, uh, it's not plunder. Um, Plunder sounds bad. It's not, you know, stolen goods. You're transferring a shipment of goods. (laughs) Such a politically, like, (laughs) thing to say. (laughs) We're not killing them. Right. <laughs> We're uh, letting them go turn their next life. <laughs> it's a, um, a benevolent stealing. transfer of life force. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, What's a better way of putting this? Exactly. Um, so it's believed that she, uh, she was um, commander of between 70,000 and 80,000 pirates. And up to about... That's a lot of pirates. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even, like, picture that many people. Yeah. Like, that's like an arena size. Yeah. In a fleet. Right. Oh, spread across yeah. about... Not in one boat, yeah. obviously. Uh, spread across, like, up to 2,000 ships. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> that's so many people. I would love to be in... <laughs> I mean, could you imagine being in control of a fleet that big? Right. I would love to. <laughs> um, 
Well, Ching Shi was probably a better strategist than I, I would have been. Me but... too. Don't worry. Don't <laughs> don't go hard on yourself, Andrew. <laughs> in uh, in 1809, the Chinese government attempted to um, try to shut down this fleet. They led them into a bay and then closed off the bay like that pincher move from um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, the Battle of the Bastards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so they closed them off in the bay uh, and attacked them for days. Um, at the end of the ambush, uh, Ching Shi's fleet sailed out of the bay uh, basically unharmed, and it was described as a graveyard of Chinese government ships. Jesus Christ. Right? Um, in, uh, 1810, the Chinese government called in the Portuguese Navy, um, and... They called in for backup. <laughs> apparently they needed them. It. I don't either. Um, but, uh, at this time, the Black Flag Fleet and the Red Flag Fleet, uh, were fighting with each other, um, and so it was, uh, causing tensions inside, and then the Portuguese Piracy. Navy... And then the Chinese, the Portuguese Navy uh, is called in for backup, and Xing Shi basically said that it wasn't worth it, um, they weren't making any money, um, you know, they weren't going to stop coming for them, and so she negotiated a surrender with the Chinese government. Um, she spent months uh, negotiating amnesty with the Chinese government, and at the end of it, they allowed her to keep her pirate plunder. Okay. So the first time we told this, I was flabbergasted. But now yes. that I'm going to listen to it, after what they witnessed in the bay, I can kind of guess why they like were like, you can have whatever. <laughs> Just get off the fucking boat and live a normal life. <laughs> um, Just leave. <laughs> but at that time, like, she had already agreed that she would surrender. Like, I know, but she like... But they were probably scared shootless of her, probably, still. Yeah. Like, they probably thought that she saw something up her sleeve. Like, yeah, she says she surrenders, but is she really? Right. That makes sense. I'm that paranoid person. Like, <laughs> I don't believe you. You're my mom. I don't believe... No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I always believe my mom. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, so they, they agree to let her keep her pirate plunder, and she moves back to mainland China. Okay. And uh, she opens up a... Um, Oh, uh, we're, we're not sure whether she went back to Guangdong or Hong Kong. Accounts differ. Oh. Um, but when she got got back, she opened up a gambling house slash brothel. Of course. So you could spend money and get laid. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to add to that. I don't either. Um, apparently so she lived were, a happy life uh, afterwards? Yeah. She uh, lived to the ripe old age of 69. Oh, shit. That's pretty old back then. 1844. Wow. Yeah. She lived like another 30 years after, after she, she surrendered from being a pirate. That's so cool. And do you know how many pirates surrendered or retired? Very, Very few. few. Yeah. Um, God. I was uh, I was looking up like other sources for this and Feminist Frequency did a um, episode on her. Mm -hmm. uh, that's on YouTube if you ever want to check it out. Um, and also the uh, History on Fire podcast has like a two-hour episode on her. I need I to look up those. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to the History on Fire podcast yet because it's two hours. It's um, right up my alley. <laughs> but if you're interested in it, I would uh, probably recommend looking oh, it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's such a badass story. Mine's very stupid <laughs> compared to yours. I need to sure like refill not. my bottle or my glass of okay. wine. Uh, All right, so okay. Rachel has refilled her wine. Yep. Um, <laughs> what's your story? I don't know when you, when you pause that, so we'll see how this transition goes. All right, so I'm sorry. I, I didn't really have a lot of off time, mm-hmm. and this is something that had been in the back of my head. All I had in my mind was like, I was obsessed with the Colbert Report for the longest time. I, I love Stephen Colbert. And he used to have a show on the Colbert Report called Know Your Districts. And I'm a person that likes to know countries, but I'm not very familiar with a lot of them unless I've visited them, which right. is not that many, right. obviously. <laughs> it's expensive. But, so I decided to go from <laughs> small to big, so I'm starting with the smallest country. Okay. And um, do you know which country that is? No. Encompassing, this is literally a country. Uh-huh. Some people like argue that it isn't, but it is. Okay. Um, encompassing just over a hundred acres or 0.17 square miles is Vatican City. Oh. It is sense. the smallest country in the world, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, for a little more perspective, the, Vatic- the area of Vatican City is one eighth the size of Central Park wow. in New York City. <laughs> and I've been in Central Park. <laughs> and I thought I explored a lot, and then I saw a map that I literally barely touched Central Park. Um, the second smallest country, which is Monaco, which I will have to talk about another time because of Grace Kelly, um, is at 499 acres. So it's literally like 400 more acres right. than the smallest country in the world. And do you know where Vatican City, what city Vatican City is located in. Rome? Yes. Yeah. It is. It's cool. it's located in Rome. Um it is literally enclosed by a two mile border with like medieval and renaissance walls, because yeah. that's when they built the walls. Um, except on the southeast side. Um there are six entrances, but only three are open for the public to enter okay. through. Um so I just wanted to go on like the history yeah. of this country, like I'm not Catholic. You're not Catholic. Catholic. Our friend Mary is. I do have a story about Vatican City, actually. No, do tell. Um, So when I was up in Chicago, I was working for a Catholic charity uh, to teach uh, English to uh, uh, native Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, And my uh, program coordinator, a woman named named Katie, when she got married, um, the Vatican was doing uh, like a a holiday. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Uh, year year long, um, come visit the Vatican for free, type of deal. Oh, um, and so when they got married, they did their honeymoon in the Vatican, and they oh, brought wow. back all all sorts of pictures. Oh, cool! Yeah. That's neat. Um, so yeah. like, my family like started going to church, but mm-hmm. it's not like a half of church. I was like eight or nine, and I I know that Catholicism is very strict and stuff, but I really I don't know a lot about like. I never realized how extreme the Pope was yeah. until, like, meeting friends who were Catholic or things like that. I've never even been to, like, a Catholic ceremony right. or a wedding. Um, I know it involves a lot of kneeling and things like that. But, <laughs> like, this is, like, their mecca, basically. Yeah. And I thought it it's really interesting, to be honest. Like, I love learning about different religions, to be honest. Um, even, like, sectors. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially ones I don't know a lot about. And I feel like this is one I'm not particularly knowledgeable in um 
But, so here's a little bit of history. This doesn't really get into Catholicism. I'm going to, like, just lay that out. This just has to do with, like, the actual country of Vatican City, right, to be right. honest. But it does involve religion. Okay. So, um, it all started with the Emperor Caligula, mm-hmm. which is back in um, 20 AD. <laughs> so, way, way back. Way back. 20,000, or 20,000, 2,000 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> How old are we? <laughs> what the year world, is this? The world is only 6,000 years old. Or 600 years this. old. <laughs> the world is hundreds of years old. <laughs> okay. And it's flat. Yeah. Um, I thought it was hollow. <laughs> Who's going to prove us wrong? (laughs) Um, So, back in 20 AD, Emperor Caligula um, found this area, and uh, he built gardens and a circus of charioteers, is how they described it, um, that was, um, he died, and then it was later completed by Nero. Okay. And then, so now we're going to move forward a couple decades into AD 64, so like literally four decades. Are you going to talk about how it was built by the two worst emperors of Rome, or... Nope. Because <laughs> Nero is still alive at this point. And he's completed, like, the gardens and things like that right, and right. whatever. But then there was a, what they called the Great Fire of Rome mm-hmm. in AD 64. And legend has it that the fire caused widespread devastation for six days until it was put out. And mm-hmm. this is in the city of what is present-day Vatican City. Right, right. And there are a couple theories about how the fire started. Like, there are, like, six theories, and five of them are the same thing. (laughs) So what you're saying is there are two theories. (laughs) Yes. Actually, yeah. One is that Nero started the fire himself to destroy the city, sending out men pretending to be drunk, and then, like, accidentally laying fire to it. Another one is Nero sent men out to destroy the city, and he played his liar while it happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's a rumor. <laughs> There's that. another one that Nero like did it another way, or yeah. sent people out somehow. Another theory is it was an accident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you know, you gotta throw that there. <laughs> it is a possibility. Um, the reason many people like there are. The reason there are so many theories that Nero set the fire himself yeah. is because he could create room for his new arena that yeah. he was going to build. However, the fire started one kilometer away from the site where the palace w- or the arena would later be built. And also the fire destroyed part of his own palace. Oh. So they're like, that does kind of put a dent in like the five of the theories, well, I mean, to it, be honest. it is fire. So like you could start it somewhere and it will go And it can everywhere. spread. And yeah. it can go in the wrong direction than what you intend it. Yeah. So <clears throat> there was that. So it started further away than where he would have wanted it if he were to start it. And it also kind of destroyed his palace. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, modern scholars... Say that the fire... I love this. I love, like, how they can figure this out because of history and, like, recordings. These recordings happened then, so you can't say that in 18... <laughs> in the late 1800s that they couldn't have pictures of our lovely Chinese pirate, right, right. queen pirate. Um, um, modern scholars say that the fire started just two days after a full moon, because you can figure that out, that a that that is a time when arsonists would not choose to start a fire in the bright night sky. They usually prefer to start fires in darkness, which I thought is so fascinating. Um, long story short, no one, there's no evidence on what who really started the fire or whatever. Mm. But it, obviously, it lasted for six days and it caused this huge devastation. Right. However, 
Yes, it did cause huge devastation, and it also burned part of Nero's palace. So what did he do? He wanted to point the finger. So what did he do? He blamed these new religious people, the Christians, um, for the fire. So he executed them. He burned them at the stake. He tore them apart with wild beasts, and he crucified them. And, of course, one of the people crucified, supposedly upside down, was St. Peter, Mm -hmm. like one of the apostles. Yeah. Like the person that everyone knows about. Yeah. Um, so because of this fire and Nero's wrath, and because of the supposed this was the supposed place of um, Saint Peter's crucifixion, this became kind of like a martyrdom for Christians to go to right. this little area in Rome. Um, it's s- really funny that like the upside down cross has become. Like a satanic symbol? I know. Because it's not. It I, I don't know why. A I re- Catholic symbol. Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand that either. That's kind of interesting. Probably because it's seen as like disrespectful, maybe. Yeah. Upside well, down. the way that Satan, Satanism like is supposed to work according to Catholicism, which is le- levels in, of inception, is that like it's an inversion of Christianity. Oh. So Christianity has the upside, is, has the right, right side, side up. up. Cross... Satanism has the upside down cross. Uh, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, is the Father, the Son, the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. The Satanic, uh, uh, whatever it's called, the Trinity. Um, Trinity. The six six six, the Antichrist. Oh Bible, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I just think of the Omen and Damien when yeah. I hear that. Sorry. <laughs> everything like Satanic is supposedly an inversion of Christianity. Um, oh. And if you ever read Dracula. He takes great pains to make Dracula like as as much of an inversion of Christ as possible, like the Antichrist, basically. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never read Dracula before, but it sounds interesting. Um, I've seen the play. Does that count? <laughs> that counts. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> um, so basically, this is a martyrdom for Christians now. This mm-hmm. whole area, and so they built St. Peter's Basilica in. 326 A.D., so it's a couple centuries later, and allegedly they built it over the tomb of where St. Peter is allegedly buried. So, yes, records are scarce because everyone has a theory about where St. <laughs> Peter's buried. Like, they're sure that this is where he's cru- right. crucified, but they're not sure that's where he's buried, right. but they think it is. So it's supposedly... And I get it because it's like history, and you can't dig up history. Like, yeah. I get that. I, I respect that. I really do. Um... So from then on, the area became very popular with Christians, especially those wanting to see the Basilica. Then in the 5th century, so about 150 or so years later, or like 100 years later, they built a palace for the Pope at the time, Pope Smacus. S-Y-M-M-A-C-U-A-C-H-U-S. Show it to me. Right there. Smacus. 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 I would guess... S-Y-M-M-A-C-H-U-S. I would guess Simakis or Simakis. Yeah. I looked him up, but there's nothing really interesting about him, so we'll go on from there. Cool. Um, Sorry, Pope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he was the first one to start living there. Okay. So, um, the Pope slash the Vatican City... um, it's kind of doing their own thing, and they also rule the papal states around Italy. So there are a lot of, like, papal areas around Italy, um, and they actually kind of, like, were in control of it because, you know, religion does did con- 
controlled government at the time, yeah. which is kind of why people moved to America, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget that. Uh, I think a lot of people have. I know. <laughs> Wait, shh, it's a secret. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Um, but then something weird happened. I didn't know about this, but in 1309, so this mm. is like many, many centuries later, yeah. um, the city was abandoned because the papal court moved to France from the Vatican City. So, um, and I guess it wasn't a popular idea because 70 years later in 1377, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to go back to the Vatican City. And I, in all honesty, I did not look up into why they moved back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess, like, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't popular there. People like the history of the Vatican City. I'm not really sure why. It only lasted there for 70 years, and they're like, oh, we're going to move the papal court. Was that when Charlemagne was in France, or? Let's not get up. <laughs> Charlemagne. Shout out to Google. Charlemagne. Should <laughs> meet the god. <laughs> oh, shoot. Charlemagne. France. There we go. He... No. No. He was way before that. I have no theories. Though. Okay. Wait. <clears throat> was I wrong? Reign 800 to 814. And this was 1300. So, no. Sorry. Um, anyways, after 70 years, they moved back. And I didn't quite get to, like, dig into too much as to why they decided to move back. Mm-hmm. And of the many sites, five or six, that <laughs> never went in to describe or, like, explain why they decided. Right. They just basically say, oh, we came back to Vatican City. Um, sorry, I was looking at something really fast. All right. Um, so when they returned the city, it was, like, in pretty bad shape because, like, literally no one had been there for 70 years. It was kind of in ruins, to be honest. Um, but then Pope Julius II came along, mm-hmm. and he took it upon himself to make some changes. So in 1508, so this is, like, already 200 years, or, like, 100 or so years after they moved back, he commissioned Michelangelo <laughs> to paint the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Nice. Which is, like, like I'm pretty, I'm not Catholic, yeah. but I've, I'm religious, and I think it would be really neat to see that, to be honest. Not just for for religion, but for history. Like, that's so cool. Well, like, know, that's what Michael, that's what the Ninja Turtle, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I just think it would be hilarious because Michael, Michelangelo hated the Pope. And so, everything. I didn't get did, into that. <laughs> I did not get into that. Everything that he's doing is, like, in spite of the Pope. But it's really pretty. Right. Like, he still, like, is like, I'm going to do a good job. (laughs) Um, But he painted the Sistine Chapel. Here's the other thing I did not know about. This pope, Pope Julius II, he tore down the 1,200-year-old basilica, St. Peter's Basilica, and built a new one in its place. So the one you see now isn't the one that was built, like, thousands of years ago. It's the one that was built in, like, the 15... um, um, 1500s, right. which I didn't know about. I thought it was like older than that, but no. And I think he did it. My guess is to like, like any political person, like revamp the city, get yeah, people yeah. to come. Um, but speaking of, it wasn't it wasn't its own country yet. It didn't become a country until 1929. Okay, it's not even a hundred years old as a country. Right, yeah. It was actually uh, Benito Mussolini. <laughs> 
signed the Lateran Pacts that granted Vatican City as a sovereign entity. There's Selene. Yeah, our hero, right? <laughs> Coming <laughs> um, back again. They paid the church $92 million, that's compensation for losing all the papal mm-hmm. states that they were in control of, which in today's money is like over a billion dollars. Damn. So, you know, <laughs> who won in that? <laughs> um, so all I have really about the government is that the head of the Roman Catholic Church has full power, so i.e. the Pope has full power. Yeah. Um, he is currently the only absolute monarch that's in Europe, because mm-hmm. there's no such thing as that anymore. In any of the other countries. There is a monarchy. Absolute monarch is how they right. print it, yes. You just said that there is no such thing as that anymore. And I'm like, no, there's monarchy. Oh, no, 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 it's no, no, no. It's all yes. over the news this week. Because um, he's marrying an American. Yeah, but he's never going to be king. In. Right. That thing is going to crumble, I think, in like two or three generations. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. I don't... Let's get rid of all the monarchies. I really don't care, because they're like, just a face now, and I get it. There are still monarchists in the world, which is... Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Europe. I'm talking about Europe. There are still people who, like, declare that monarchy is the supreme political system. So, like, I want them gone. <laughs> okay. Well, high five. Okay. Yes. Um, here are some fun facts, because i got to end on fun facts. Rachel held her hand up, and I was confused. I wasn't entirely <laughs> sure what she was doing. I was like, I hear you. <laughs> I'm listening, I promise. <laughs> so, obviously, because it's only .19 miles, there are no airports or highways in Vatican what? City. Gotta have an Shocking. Airport. They do have a heliport. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, it is one of two nations, mm-hmm. one of two nations, without a divorce law. They do have an annulment law, but not a divorce one. Can you name the other country? No. The Philippines. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Ugh. Um, Shout out to Duterte. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Statistically, I, I've heard this before. I think we had this on a trivia night one time and yeah. we got it wrong and then we felt so stupid. Statistically, they do have the world's highest crime rate. Really? Yes, because in 2006, there are 341 civil and 486 criminal cases, so it measures to 1.5 cases per person. But that's because of like all the tourists there and things like that. Um, so it's about 20 that, times the corresponding rate in Italy. <laughs> I also imagine that like the population is very small, so each person that uh, commits a crime, oh, yeah. it counts for like double. Oh, that's what I'm going to say. You, that's my next fun fact. Do you know the population of Vatican City? No. Well, in 2011, the population was 594. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally almost my graduating class <laughs> of when I graduated high school. <laughs> but Your most players... <laughs> A lot of high schools, I think. But here's the best part. Most of their citizens live abroad. <laughs> so, I think it, it's obviously going to be a little bit more now, but it really doesn't change that much in the year. So, yeah. I know this is like seven years old, but um, the population includes 71 cardinals, 109 members of the Swiss Guard. They're, um, the Swiss, like, give them, like, guard and yeah. protection. They're yeah. the mercenaries for them. I watch Archer, I know. <laughs> 51 men, 51 men, <laughs> members of the clergy, and one nun. <laughs> Gotta have the one nun. A How, nun. However, 
307 members of the clergy are in diplomatic positions around the world. So that's why, like, more than half of them do not even live in the country. Right. <laughs> also, I read this. As of 2013, there are 30 female citizens, i.e. 5% female population. <laughs> That's awful. It's super bad. Oh, I would not want to be there. No. Um, actually, the economy, they do have the, like their own money and yeah. things like that. The economy is supported financially by the sale of their postage stamps, which mm-hmm. I hear is very popular. Tourist mementos and like fees into museums, which I get because that's the only way they can make money. So here's two last fun facts that I find very fascinating. Okay. In 1277, Mm -hmm. a half mile long passageway was constructed to link the Vatican to the Castle of St. Angelo, which is right next to the Tiber Tiber River. Mm -hmm. And um, the Tiber River is obviously not very far from Vatican City. That's kind of like where they figure where this holy land came from. Yeah. It served as an escape route for popes. <laughs> he had his own escape tunnel? Yep. That's amazing. Yes. One such <laughs> case was in 1527 when Pope Clement VII escaped during the sack of Rome. As the forces of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V mm-hmm. rampaged through the city, murdering priests and nuns, the Swiss guard held back the enemy long enough to allow him to, to escape to that castle and to the Tiber River. 147 guards died trying to protect him. Damn. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I literally looked this up right before you got here, and I got so super excited. I might have to look this up for another podcast, but I have to tell you about it. Okay. So, apparently, um, I don't know the truth. Armchair Apocrypha. Hashtag Armchair Apocrypha. <laughs> Hashtag um, Experts. There are documents that we may have had a lady female pope. Yeah. I've known about Cheers. That. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> I just, my jaw literally, like, so, apparently, I literally am just looking at something now. I'll have to give you more facts later if I look this up. It is documented that after Pope Leo came Pope Joan. Mm -hmm. Um, John Angelus was born in Mainz and was a pope for two years, seven months, and four days. And it is claimed that John was, in fact, a female. Joan slash John was taken to Athens by a lover of hers and made to conceal her identity by dressing in men's clothes. Um, she was an extremely b- bright scholar and rose quickly in society. And in Rome, she rose quickly amongst learned masters and students, and soon she was the choice of everyone to be selected Pope. Um, <laughs> so, well, Pope, she became pregnant. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Why didn't she take the pill? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, well, Pope, she became pregnant. Do ca- Catholics not like the pill or something? They don't. They're not a big fan of birth control, <laughs> from what I understand. Um, no. But while she, while Pope, she became pregnant by her companion. I like how they say by her companion. Companion. <laughs> no, let's just call her, call him what he is. And it <laughs> is said she gave birth during a procession from St. Peter's Basilica to the Lateran. In the narrow lane between the church mm-hmm. churches, and then her identity was discovered, and she was killed and buried in that same place. So I literally looked this up maybe five seconds before <laughs> you came in the door, and I want to know so much more about that. But that is so fascinating yeah. to me. Like, like I don't know. I think a female can be pope. Yeah, 
Well, it's I, happened before, apparently. I don't think that the Catholics believe that. <laughs> Maybe we can change their minds, Andrew. Yeah. This podcast is going to uh, start a campaign for yeah. Lady Pope. But I've got to look this up. I've got to look this up. Pope Joan. Ah, there's a Wikipedia about her. Yes. <laughs> it's got to be true. Don't forget to donate to Wikipedia, guys. Oh, yeah, I know. I saw that. Um, so, it was, okay, it's about 12.50. So, that long ago. So, we had a Pope, like, yeah. almost a thousand years ago, 900 yeah. years ago. So, it can happen. It can. I If I have time, if I can find enough, <laughs> if I can find enough information about this, I will make this another podcast. Awesome. Cool. That's so cool. I didn't, I literally did not know about that until literally... <laughs> An hour ago. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's your uh, couple stories about badass women and uh, the smallest country in the world. In the smallest country in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything to plug? We still don't have a Twitter, do we? No, nope. I'm sorry. I have no time. It's cool. Um, so uh, you can find me online. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are AWM Rights. Uh, you can check out the website. It's um, uh, Absinthe. AbsintheActivismArts.wordpress.com. Uh, um, go check out our artwork, uh, Katie's artwork, Isn't my books. Uh, they're not up yet. I they will be by the time this is posted. Definitely, yes. Um, we'll make that a thing. Yes, we'll make that a thing. Uh, go check out the website. Check out Katie's artwork. Uh, check out my books. Buy my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it's out my really writings. Um, if you have any questions for us, you can give me a email at um, andrew.massey, M-A-S-S-I-E, at live.com. Um, anything else? No. Once no. I figure out when these episodes will air, I'll try and like be timely with what I have to say about it. We really it. need to make a calendar. Andrew's birthday has happened by now, so I wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Andrew. Thank you. Um, I'm making a, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, fundraiser um, to raise money for uh, Books and Breakfast oh, yes. uh, Louisville. We'll do that. We'll do that. Um, uh, all right. Until next time. We need a sign off. We'll come we, with a sign off. We really need a sign off. Um, until next time. Live long and prosper is already taken, so we can't take that. Stay sexy and don't get murdered is taken. Um. Is that the my favorite murder? Okay. Um, we'll come. We have a week to come up with yeah, one. Uh, yeah. Until then. Until then. We'll leave uh, with a, a weird pause. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Until next time, listeners.